to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. I wrote something for you and me called 19 Reasons to Believe in the Afterlife. If you're currently on my email list, you would have received it before listening to the show. If you haven't received it and it's something you'd like to have, I invite you to go to the show's website, which is wedontdieradio.com, and click on the Insiders Club to receive it. I have now interviewed well over 200 people, spent 20 years of my life looking for evidence of the afterlife, and so what I decided to do is just break it down into 19 different reasons to believe. And I'm really proud of what I created, and I think it would help a lot of people. And um, just from the response I've already gotten, it's been great. One lady has even printed it, and she hands it out at the hospitals she works at. So I think it just will help all of us to remember that there is a bigger picture to our lives. So now on to the show. Our guest is Melanie Alberts. She is a psychic medium and a spirit artist who is accredited by the Spiritualist National Union International, where she teaches an online development circle and philosophy class. Her popular Colors of Your Question approach to intuiting life's questions includes a unique piece of psychic art based on the past, present, and potential future of your life's question. Melanie's web presence includes a blog for developing mediums and a spirit art Facebook page. You can find out more on her blog, which is melaniealbertsmedium.blogspot.com or her Facebook page, which is, well, you go to Facebook and type in Melanie Alberts Spirit Portraits. Now, to make it easy, if you just scroll beneath this episode, however it is you're listening to it, there's a live link that you can just click on to get right there. So I'd like to introduce you to her now, Melanie Alberts. Welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thanks for the invitation. It's such a joy to be with you. It's a joy to have you, and thank you for the <laughs> gift you sent me. You sent me, is it was it the colors of your question that you sent me, the... I sent you a spiritual assessment. That's what you wrote, but then you also drew something. Is oh, that all yeah. part of it? Oh, yeah. I can't help but draw. It's my thing. So I, what I did was had a little meeting with my guides and your guides, and they got together. And when I was inspired to sit down and tune into what they had to say, I did what they had to tell me, and I drew how I was guided and sent it on to you. So that's a thank you for having me on your show, for inviting me. Yeah, well, it was really beautiful. And the spiritual assessment, the words that when your people talk to my people, were really <laughs> spot on for me and my life and just what I needed to hear. Um, so that's a, it's well, just a beautiful gift, and I get and, to share you in return. Yeah. It's a reflection of your beauty, Sandra Champlain. So your name is so lyrical. I love how it reminds me of my favorite drink, champagne. Oh, not a problem there. I like (laughs) champagne as well. Yeah. It's the same root as um, champions too. Would that be the same root as champions? Is that the same root of the word? I don't know. Yeah. You're you're a champion. Heck yeah. 
I'm a champion. <laughs> well, I think you are too, and I think we're going to oh. be good friends based on oh. our interactions thus far. But if you would, why don't you introduce yourself to our listener right now and who you mm. are, where you're coming from, and maybe a little mm. bit about your past. Well, um, I'd like to just introduce you perhaps to the spiritual story of me first. Um, and it's like you, uh, the reason why you're doing this show and perhaps your listener, it is a realization that you and me, everybody out there shares an eternal awareness from my own personal experience through uh, out-of-body and near-death experiences, which we can talk about a little later, I know our eternal nature is real. And what is temporary and unreal is the body, the mind, things that we can sense or perceive. And they're unreal in the sense that uh, these thoughts and perceptions are coming and going. They're not permanent. They're unreliable. They're open to interpretation uh, like beliefs. And so many of us have our beliefs change over the years. But what doesn't change is what's at your core, your consciousness, it's what never dies. And because of what has happened to me, I've been on a bit of a spiritual quest to find out why, 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 what is this? And I, I really believe that we all share the same consciousness at our deepest reality. And this is something that we can all feel right now. We can feel it as love. We can feel it as I am. It's what you've experienced your entire life. And unfortunately, the prevailing worldview that we have to deal with, which makes being a near-death experiencer and out-of-body experiencer so difficult, is that the prevailing worldview is of materialism, where matter is king. Things are it. Right. And things come first. You know, we have to have more things. We have to have relationships, which are things. People are things. Animals, we have to control. We have to, you know, we see ourselves in other things. But there is this veiling of our true nature, so in these things, we feel separate from God. And this is where non-duality comes in. I've been studying it for oh, the past few years. Um, it really means not to, but it really just means that consciousness is all there is. God, source, the great spirit, whatever you want to call it, one awareness. Everything is a modulation of this conscious awareness. And I sincerely believe that is what we are. Uh, growing up, my family was Roman Catholic, very hierarchical, 
It's a very ritualistic and traditional and a beautiful religion. Mm -hmm. It it really is beautiful. Uh, They embrace things. They embrace rituals called sacraments. And of course, I don't know if you're a Catholic or not, but there's one where you, um, as a teenager, where you confirm your beliefs, confirmation. Mm -hmm. Yep, went through it all. Um, Yeah. During my confirmation class, the cutest young priest who all the girls had a crush in came into the room. We all stood up. He was like, no, 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 sit down, sit down. And he announced to us, look, kids, confirmation is a personal choice. And if you don't want to be confirmed, you don't have to. Seriously, (laughs) the priest said that. I had never been so elated, but my mother had other ideas. And so when she came to pick me up, there was this huge argument and I ended up feeling like a hypocrite getting confirmed, but I did it because I loved her Uh and she clung to the illusion that I was going to get married in the Catholic church. It really meant a lot more to her than it did me. Uh, So I did it, but let's just say my fingers were crossed. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I had this religious upbringing, but because of what happened to me as a child, it never sat with me in college. I discovered Unitarian Universalism, which really appealed to me because it was more intuitive and uh, an experiential religion, uh, intuitive meaning, you know, deep down what is true and experiential. You just know from your experience that this is the truth, that God was not three, God was one. So in this way, I was kind of getting closer to where I am now. And I loved how they allowed people to come up to the front of the church and hold a candle and give out a concern. That was just mind-blowing for somebody who was raised in the Catholic Church where you had an authoritarian father who would smack you if you were noisy, you know, and you can't Mm. speak in church. Um, So, you know, that was greatly liberating. And then I was introduced to Zen Buddhism, uh, and that strengthened my meditative practice. And from there, my path led me to spiritualism via the Spiritualist National Union International, And I got a really wonderful education in mediumship and really enjoyed the community. Um, And then most recently, uh, discovering a non-dual teacher who crystallizes how I feel for the most part. I've been reading his books and watching his YouTube videos. So I'm I'm kind of back to feeling like a child, Uh, one with awareness and knowing that a genderless, dimensionless, all that is is who we are and what we eventually dissolve into. Wow, there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have this attachment to our personalities. And this is something that I've really noticed studying mediumship. We are, our prime goal as mediums is to, prove the existence of eternal spiritual nature, Mm -hmm. that the personality exists after death. And that has been my experience. However, I think eventually we do dissolve into the oneness that is spiritual awareness that is God. So that's something I'm still trying to come to grips with. 
You know, I, I see us as like whirlpools in the water where, you know, the water is flowing and then suddenly a whirlpool might form, but it's still part of the water and then disperses. And then downstream, another whirlpool might come up. So that's basically how I see that. Melanie, can I ask a favor? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, sometimes, well, very often, this could be a listener's very first show. And uh-huh. while it's great to get into some of the details, there are some grieving folks that are looking for some good reasons to believe that life after death is real. Uh, would you mind giving maybe a couple of your stories or even talk about maybe some of the spirit art that you do? And um, just, and then we can move back into. Uh, some of the oh sure absolutely about, yeah I, and I'd well, love to yeah go ahead I think stories that, help that is my story um, my memories go back to being a toddler but the most significant one that I don't remember was nearly dying at 18 months and I was told I had scarlet fever my temperature was dangerously high and it must have been a really stressful time for my parents but I do recall being in the crib in the high chair, very early memories. And then when I was four, my sister, my older sister dropped me face down and I had to go to the hospital. And I had an out-of-body experience while under anesthesia. Um, I don't recall the accident, but what I do recall is floating above the operation table, above the bright lights, my little body under a blue sheet and a couple adults and masks working over me. I knew it was me, but at the same time, I knew I was this ageless awareness and it, it felt incredibly calm and impersonal. So there I was this really strong memory. And then I do remember being at home and tell my mother this and her basically shooting it all down right. <laughs> saying, don't make stuff up, that kind of thing. So, you know, it was, that was something I've had to, you know, work with my entire life. Having these urges to be spiritual and to, to do these things, but then, you know, having people not confirm them. Um, those darn people. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're turning into those those people that will confirm. You know, yeah, I know yeah. it. It's all shifting. So when I was uh, six, my grandmother told me that she saw the ghost of her mother when she was about my age. And being the kid I was, you know, just really interested in these kind of things. I prayed to see ghosts. I wanted to see them. And of course, I never saw them because what I was expecting was Casper or eerie, spooky ghouls at the foot of my bed. Um, Didn't happen. But they found me. And at the time, we were living in Connecticut in a, a rural area of Connecticut. And I spent my days off from school playing outside there, surrounded by nature, and without any agenda other than to give expression to my experience. I loved playing by myself because I wasn't by myself. I would see visions in trees and in the water, and I would talk to them. Really? I, I would talk to, I, there was a lady in the water, I talked to her, and, and, you know, I was told I was very imaginative, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I, I just felt, it was my imagination. But I, I do feel that these were People. spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the age of eight, I think it was, um, 
I found a book my dad had hidden away from his own mother, uh, an Edgar Casey book on reincarnation. Uh, so this was something forbidden. How cool. Uh, yeah. I know. And I invented a game I called reincarnation where I could act out dying and being reborn. So that was the kind of kid I was. Um, the sister that dropped me on my face was also a really good artist, and she taught me how to draw. But ever since I learned how to draw, the only thing I wanted to draw was people. So I practiced that over and over, and I would use this as a crutch because my family moved a lot. We, we, I went to like 12 different schools growing up. And so I would latch on to drawing as a way to comfort myself and to feel secure in a new environment. And I was always drawing faces of the people I saw in my mind's eye. Um, however, occasionally other people like kids or teachers would check out what I was doing and someone might say, hey, that looks like my grandmother or, or someone else they recognize. And I'd be like, oh, that's a coincidence, you know, kind of thing. It's like, mm -hmm. hmm, this is just somebody I see in my head. So little did I know I was training as a spirit artist. Right. And um, so I grew up knowing things, drawing dead people. Um, and so paranormal kind of experiences just kind of kept happening to me. Um, one of the things I regretted not being a part of was my sister's seance with a friend of hers who channeled her grandmother. And she was, this is when they were 14. And they were doing this channeling thing and talking. Um, the, the grandmother was speaking in a language the girl didn't know, for one thing. And then she came and spoke in English and talked about the seven uh, cycles of heaven kind of thing. You know, all these things. My sister was telling me, I'm like, you know, that, that makes sense to me. And something about it really resonated with me. Who was doing the speaking? Um, the, a friend of theirs that they hypnotize. So my older, one of my older sisters was really into self hypnosis and hypn hypnotism and they hypnotize a friend of theirs and she started channeling. Wow. Yeah. And so, and of course I never knew anything about spiritualism or mediums. This was all very new to me, um, and didn't know where to turn for more information on this. I don't think there really was any information on this in the mid seventies. So anyway, um, things like this would, would continue to happen. I'd, I'd get these experiences. I would know things. Um, and, you know, friends called me a witch and that kind of thing, which, you know, I think a lot of people who are psychic have similar kind of experiences. Um, one of the things that I think is really important to my life story is that I was very inclined to feeling, um, disconnected and um, very much like I didn't belong on this planet. Like I was like, you know, why am I even here? I don't even want to be alive. And so I had suicidal inclinations. Um, and at one point in my twenties, I was very much in pain. I had back pain and I just was, you know, having these thoughts of suicide. And one day on the street where I was going to school in Boston, I looked across the street and there I saw myself as an older woman. Now this is not my imagination. This is, I looked across the street and there I was, I just knew that was me. 
silver hair, glasses, this kind of bemused smile. And it was so comforting because it was a message to me that I'm going to make it. I'm going to grow old. And then I was gone. Um, But unfortunately, (laughs) I, you know, continued on and and also had other, you know, experiences. Um, I I married uh, kind of in a way to um, find happiness in a relationship that did not work out. But um, I lived at the time with my first husband in a farm and um, I was, we were living in a trailer, building our own house and my mother-in-law's dog bear had gone missing a couple of days before. And I was sitting alone at our dining room table, uh, just gazing out the window when I felt a sensation like uh, being pulled away from the scene up through the roof, guided through the woods so quickly between the trunks of trees that it felt like I was going through a tunnel. I mean, it was like darting through the trees at super fast speed and suddenly halting about 20 feet or so above this lost dog's body. And I could see the foam at bear's mouth. He was obviously dead. And although I was astounded at what was happening, it felt oddly calm and familiar up there. And um, I knew I was like, okay, where am I? And I noted where I was on the path, where his body was. And as soon as I made that realization where he was, I was zapped back into my body again. And I, I told my husband and his mom where Bear was, and we were able to go and bury him. And I, I feel like I was guided by Bear's spirit. And that's where he was? To find him. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's where he was. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's experiences like that that make you wonder, what the heck is going on? <laughs> what yeah. is this? You know? And I, I had no idea. No clue um, what this meant. And this marriage uh, continued for another year, and it was, uh, I was in a lot of pain. And those feelings of suicide came back. And I did not experience killing myself. I only experienced the planning of my suicide attempt. I was in the woods. And uh, lying near a stream, thinking about how I was going to do it, when suddenly the scene shifted, my awareness shifted. And looking across the creek, there was this beautiful young woman in a robe. And she telepathically spoke to me in the most compassionate and beautiful way, And she said in so many words, you have a reason to live. Your life is not your own. And I started crying and it was very cathartic. And when I looked up, she was gone. The scene was normal. 
And I was able to get out of that marriage and I was motivated to improve my life. And it was just, it was like a miracle. Yeah, definitely. Truth, you know, it was, we hear it was, those earth angels and spirit guides and there's, uh, there's even, I think, a chicken soup for the soul written about these people that show up that no one's ever seen, you know, that oh, yeah. step in just in those moments. But I love the message. Your life is not your own. Oh, You're the compassion. Yeah. The compassion and the beauty that I was witnessing was overwhelming. And it was just like, why, why is there human life? Why is there pain? I've had so much pain. And that was one of the things I really wanted to find the answer to. And I believe that pain leads us to search for peace and it allows us to find God because we have to lose ourselves first. Um, uh, I'm a poet and I love writing poetry and reading poetry. And one of my favorite poets is Rabindranath Tagore. He um, won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1913 and he wrote when the string of the violin was being tuned, it felt the pain of being stretched. But once it was tuned, then it knew why it was stretched. Wow. And that really spoke to me. Um, it's something, you know, we all experience. We all have to, to experience pain in order to grow in order to reach our potential. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about this um, for our listener listening right now. Melanie and I are actually recording this episode on September 11th, 2017, which marks the 16-year anniversary of such devastation in the United States, felt worldwide. Also, um, the past couple days, couple weeks, we've had two tremendous hurricanes that have done damage to the islands mexico mm-hmm. texas florida so many all the the whole chain of islands and it's suffering you know mm-hmm. um so to think of the violin string and even to think of the pain i've had and even for you, mm-hmm. our listener, thinking of the pain you felt and some of it, looking back years, you know, it, it all makes sense. The things we've been through to where we are now. That's true. And uh, also coincidentally, it, yesterday was, uh, I think it was uh, World Suicide Awareness Day. Was it? Yeah. And it's the National Suicide Awareness Week this week, which wow. I... I think it's kind of interesting. So, you know, talk to people. <laughs> talk to people. If you are feeling this pain, um, you have every right to live your life to the fullest. My life now is wonderful, and I'm so glad I had this intervention because there really was nobody for me to talk to. But if you do have somebody to talk to, uh, do that. And there are, of course, hotlines to to call so yes september 11th um 
it became exceedingly clear after the events of September 11th that I needed some discipline with all these things that kept happening to me. Mm-hmm. And just two days before 9-11, my current husband and I uh, were wrapping up a vacation in Florida. My parents lived there and we were with our two-year-old son and we were uh, waiting in the airport as you would for your flight. And I was just gazing off into space when I was suddenly jolted with, I don't know how to explain it. It was just an overwhelming sense of destruction and grief. I, was actually pushed off balance by it. It was so overwhelming. I I look back now and I I think I must've looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he felt Princess Leia's planet explode. It was like that. It was so powerful. And this feeling was so real. I immediately scanned my body to sense if it was personal, Um, but it didn't feel that way. Of course, you would if you were in an airport and you sensed this. I didn't know what to do, but because it didn't feel personal, I couldn't sense myself being involved. So I didn't tell my husband because he's superstitious. He would have canceled the flight. Right. Um, and of course, two days later, it was 9 11 mm-hmm. uh, that Tuesday. And we watched these horrific events of death and destruction, but it really wasn't until a few days later that it was discovered that a couple of the hijackers came from Florida that I put these um, two events together. These hijackers flew out of the same airport that my husband and I were in that previous Sunday. They were probably sitting right in front of me. Right. So since then I regretted not having the discipline to further investigate my experience. I wish I knew. I mean, and since then, I've also heard so many premonitions of people who knew they weren't supposed to go work that day or get on that airplane. I've heard some really amazing ones from mediums. And I just wish now, I wish, oh, I wish I knew what was going on with my intuition. And so I found myself working a few years later at a holistic conference center that was actually based on the Omega Institute here in Austin. It was called the crossings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I coordinated events with people like Dr. Brian Weiss. Uh, I sat in on his reincarnation workshop and Steven Schwartz. He's yeah. a remote viewing researcher. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what if, what if my um, experiences were uh, remote viewing? I mean, I, I had no clue. Were they astral travel? What what were they called? What is this even about? And so I did all these classes and still couldn't find the answer. Um, And during this time, the owners of the center I worked at hired some feng shui consultants who did Chinese horoscope readings. (laughs) And they did them for the staff. And the reading they did blew me away with its accuracy. It, It revealed that somewhere down the road, I'd be a metaphysical teacher and that my future work will be focused online. Hmm. And this is like at the, you know, the very beginning of the internet. And they, they were like saying, okay, you're going to be working. I was like, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. But <laughs> it sparked my curiosity. You know, I, I wanted to learn all I could about psychics and 
then mediums. I learned about what a medium does. And I took a six-week introductory course here in Austin. It covered the whole gamut of modalities from reading tarot cards to exploring past lives, animal communication, dowsing, uh, mediumship, all that stuff. And from there, I discovered the SNUI.com and... Now I'm here today on your podcast. Oh, we talk about SNUI. Is it .com or .org? <laughs> oh, is it? Org. Maybe it's .org. .org, I okay. think. Okay, SNUI. I just have it bookmarked, so I don't know. Yeah, we talk about it. I've talked about it awesome often because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's inexpensive, and the quality of the teachers I've experienced was really good, and I, I really enjoy it. It's a nice community. It's yeah. a really nice community, well, especially it, if you don't have any um, spiritualist church in your in your area where you live. In that 19 Reasons to Believe in the Afterlife uh, thing I created, the first thing uh, was talking about evidential mediums, and I refer people to snui.org. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it I can be expensive, I think, people looking, I mean, and I think evidential mediums are great, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I know that the more online services you sit in on at SNUI, the more your chances of one of your loved ones coming through, and I'll never forget Absolutely. a beautiful, accurate message coming through from my dad, and then also from my grandmother, who I've never met. I mean, like spot on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not, oh. And in U.S. dollars, it's less than $30 a year to be oh, right. part yeah, of that. Depending, depending on what the exchange rate is. And yeah, really somewhere good in recently. that area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, and you don't have to be a spiritualist to belong to it. You can, you know, just go and check it out and attend the services and maybe get a reading or two. Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, it's also a place to learn. Is that where mm-hmm. you learned and got... Mm-hmm. Uh, accredited and everything? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is through the platform accreditation scheme. I did a whole series of services as a speaker and as a medium. And then I had to be assessed. I failed my first assessment. Wow. And I had to retake it. Yeah, I was devastated. But I took it again. And that that felt good. And um, because I'm accredited by them, now I can go sit for a certificate if I want to continue down that path. And I like education. I love learning. I love learning about this mediumship. <laughs> this I don't consider it a gift. I consider it something that everybody is capable of. I mean, to me, a gift is something that is given to you with no expectation of anything in return. Ah, and I, feel, I like I feel, it. Yeah, I feel if you're a medium, this is something God has placed in your lap. And you are in service to spirit. If you are capable of doing this work, and I think we all are, but if you are interested in sitting through the classes and getting discipline and being a a true voice for spirit, you should be giving that work to people. And of course, people, you know, do it as for a living. You know, for me, it's more of a religious thing. It's more of a, of a service. I people can give me donations, but it's not something I'm. You know, I'm trying to make a living out of absolutely not. I have a full-time job, but I'm able to do these things. So I have to do them. (laughs) You know, I have to draw spirit. I have to 
talk about people's guides. It's just, it's just something I have. Hey, I have a full-time job also. (laughs) It's not this, but I have to do it. I have to have these conversations. I have to share them. I have to keep searching. Excellent. That's excellent. You, and that makes life worth living, doesn't it? Yeah. Finding your purpose and filling that void and being a voice for people. People have come to recognize you and feel like, you know, they're friends with you. That's just beautiful. And you can probably save a life. Well, interesting. People. Um, there have been people who have written that this show has saved their life. And I have <sighs> no doubt, Melanie, that there's someone listening right now who needed to hear your story about... Uh, the woman looking at you from across the river, uh, maybe <sighs> contemplating suicide. Our minds are so fragile and it is so easy, I think, for us human beings to get sucked into the negative messages that our mind might tell us. And right. I think that's why it's so important that we learn about grief. We learn about our minds. We get help. We talk to people. Uh, to realize, like, that's not us. There's so much more. Oh, absolutely. And this is something that people have known for centuries. You know, 225 years ago, I've recently been reading this biography of William Blake. He lived 225 years ago, and he said, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is infinite. Wow. And the doors of perception are is your 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 sense of awareness. It's clouded. It's veiled right. by materialism. It's veiled by thinking you are a separate self. A person who is a separate self who buys into that feels that they're better than somebody else. Right. Or they don't feel they're better than somebody else. They feel they're worse than somebody else, which is just as bad or even worse. And they work out of that self-ego. They work out of making themselves feel better. But the person who feels, I am the same as you, we are one, is going to work out of the feeling that we're all in this together. Right. We have to love each other. And and that is where I find peace, really. I find peace in knowing that when my senses go, when my body is no longer seen, I'm still going to be a part of awareness. I'm still going to be here. <laughs> you can't get rid of me. I'm <laughs> eternal. <laughs> yes, I think we all are. And I don't doubt that at some point we all just kind of melt into consciousness and to all of it. I, I, I do think we spend a little time and if you want to call it the afterlife or mm. home, I like the word home because that right. just implies we're just visitors here, which I think we are. But I think there's, there's learning every step of the way. Oh, absolutely. And I do think that some of these, times of suffering and sadness can maybe crack open the shell you know and you know it's interesting there's some kind of a pine cone that needs severe heat for it to grow 
and um, some of these most devastating forest fires, even though, you know, they're devastating, but it takes that severe heat for that little pine cone to be able to grow into a new tree. And just talking about the suffering and talking about just what we're talking about here, the violin string, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it all ties in beautifully. And in the moment, we may not understand it. But if it can start our journey to um, search for peace, to find God, like you said, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. I, I didn't know that about that pine cone. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. Very real. And of course, controlled burning has been a part of nature forever, mm-hmm. too. And that's there's a purpose for that. Yeah. Wow. Learn something new every time I listen to your show or I'm on your show. Hey, you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Hey, I do this just for that. I love (laughs) the connections I have with people and I, I, I just love it. And we're a couple days away from going to that big afterlife symposium, which again, you might listen to this a year from now, but whenever you listen, you can always feel free to go to afterlifestudies.org. There is a conference, a symposium, they call it, that's put on every year, which is the meeting of all the minds of cutting edge stuff that's happening in the world of the afterlife and everybody's free to it well free it's not free but it's not Mm -hmm. very expensive but everybody's welcome to attend and just what a great place i'm super excited to be there oh i know i can't wait are you going to do your show from there i'm not going to do a show from there there's lots of activities all week um, but i'll certainly do the live facebook (laughs) something i've never done the live facebook stuff but it's there's Fun. over 500 people attending, and the largest percentage, I believe, of attendees listen to this show. So I think I've got a few hugs to give, uh-huh. <laughs> which I can't Absolutely. wait. I can't wait to meet everybody. Oh. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. So, yeah, it'll just be great. And I, I do think what we're creating, though, is um, the tipping point, I guess you call it where more people than not get to realize who we are and what life's about and that our lives are for a reason, that we don't die. You know, I remember being at the very beginning of my journey petrified of telling anybody I'm interested oh, in I this. Know. Petrified. I know. Even I know. when my book came out, I'm like, oh, what are people in my life going to think? And Absolutely, nobody yeah. thought I was crazy. It's it's a scary feeling. It's oh, that being fear. stretched. Yeah. It's that violin string being stretched and it feels uncomfortable and you're getting out of your comfort zone and you're almost becoming a new person. But if you're attached to that old person, that's where all the pain is going to be. So you've got to let those attachments go. You yeah. know, if you put invest so much in that life, in that identity, and once you just realize that your true identity is who you always have been, you know, do you remember when you were a little kid and you had these knowing flashes oh, of brilliance? I was just, a, it was an yeah. adventure. Yeah. It was like the drawing that you did for me. Exciting. <laughs> Those are the words you, you put on it. Yeah. That's yeah. who I was. And I just wanted to share. 
Yeah, and that's you. That's that me. same you was the same you that you were when you were that awkward teenager who just saw through all the bullshit of the, the adults around oh, you. Oh, there you swore. Now i got to oh, turn it to the adult sorry. show. <laughs> I warned Melanie before not to use any language or else I have to make this a PG-13 show. No, it's okay. We so can you handle were, it. You were the same. That was the same feeling. Yeah, When you true. were a child, when you were a teenager, and when you were an adult, when you were crying in the silence between your tears – that is the same I am that you were when you were a little kid. Mm-hmm. And you have these thoughts and you have these perceptions that cloud your doors of perception. And they're coming and going. But your core being, the ever-present awareness, is you. Now you're talking to it's all you. of us, not just Sandra. You. Not just Sandra. All you. of us. All yes. of you. It, you assume this temporary form and just as naturally, you release that form and you rejoin the river. And then it flows into the sea and we rejoin God. And that's who we are. Ultimately, we're expressions of God. You think there's a point to all this thing that we call life? All the suffering, all the um, good, bad, and the ugly? It's to discover this, that we are God. We are ultimately expressions of God. It's to make that connection because in that peace, we find happiness. I really do feel that's the purpose of life is to reconnect with that core awareness, that peace and happiness that is inside every single person. That's really beautiful. I was thinking, I don't remember who the people are but I was thinking about happiness today that you don't need things to happen in your life to be happy you can be happy first and some of the people and I can't remember where it is I think it's somewhere in Africa a group of people that have the most amount of suffering the most amount of death the most amount of diseases but they are the happiest people wow yeah I gotta do a little research on that but and I, I and I think uh, part of our journey being humans on planet Earth is to not remember who we are, or else we couldn't have this adventure to mm-hmm. search. And I think one of the things that really helps us in this is to surrender. And I feel that is sometimes the hardest thing for people to do is to simply surrender. And I'll tell you a story. I had a a vision, and this was, I don't remember exactly, sometime during the last year, that I was walking along the road and I'd find a $20 bill. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. You know, I was just sort of like, you know, maybe daydreaming. Mm -hmm. But it happened a few months later. I decided to take a walk. And usually I have this route that I take and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to surrender. I am just going to go where I feel guided to go. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, I went up a street I never walked on and there was a $20 bill on the sidewalk. Oh, so cool. (laughs) I picked it up and I was like, hmm, Okay, the farmer's market is on today. I'm going to go spend this $20 and and give it back to somebody who's worked hard (laughs) because I I certainly didn't work hard for this. 
I just trusted my intuition. I surrendered. And, you know, other things happen that that leads me to really wonderful things. Once I start surrendering, really cool things start happening. I and like I think, that. Yeah. And I, you know, I had a lucid dream about falling. Mm-hmm. And I was falling through this pit and I just sensed this tension and this horror. And then as soon as I sensed that tension and horror, my dream became lucid and I said, relax. And my whole body just relaxed and I was flying and I was enjoying it. And every time I feel like I'm coming up against a wall or I'm coming up against a challenge, I think now surrender. What's going to happen? I think what's going to happen is what God intends to happen. And it's amazing to me that, you know, it it always ends up being good. (laughs) Nothing, nothing bad has happened. It's something bad happens when I go against what I'm hearing or feeling. I can't help but think of the little song, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, Mm -hmm. merrily, merrily, merrily. Mm -hmm. Life is but a dream. And if you can picture trying to row upstream and how to f- trying to force yourself in one direction, <laughs> it doesn't work so well. Right. Not so exactly. much. But to go with the flow, to surrender, right. like you say, you might not understand, but to have the faith and trust that some people say the universe is always working in your behalf and may not feel that way. It. Sometimes. I totally believe it. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a bicyclist okay. and I love to ride my bike around town. And, you know, Austin is in the middle of Texas, but it's hilly. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of hills. And I was going to ride my bike to this um, Buddhist meeting. Okay. This is um, before I started studying uh, spiritualism, mediumship. And this voice in my head said, don't take the hill. And I was like, huh, yeah, right. Huh. Huh, I, I need the exercise. I'm going to take the hill. <laughs> of course, what happens? Flying down the hill. I hit some gravel. I end up in ER. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there I was. The The ego was saying, I know better than that. <laughs> I'm gonna take, and it was it was just a mess. And it's those little things that, that remind me that my life isn't my own. I may think I have free will, but uh, I don't. How do we know, Melanie, if the voice we're hearing is our intuition, our spiritual selves, or if it is the ego? My imagination is very strong. So I used to have a lot of trouble with that because I was constantly talking to myself in my head, but it's self-directed. All right. I'll come with a plan. I will have an idea, I would think it through. The voice that's intuition comes as if out of nowhere. And it may even sound like a different voice. Mm. Um, I remember one story where I was um, engaged to my first husband and we were living apart and I was um, looking at the newspaper. And there was a story about a young man who was uh, in an apartment fire. And I looked at the photograph and I heard a voice, you know, I was just reading the story and, and, you know, probably thinking about what I was going to have for dinner that night or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the voice said, he needs your help. 
Now, that was not my voice. That was just out of nowhere. He needs your help. And I think that is also a, a real signal to what's intuition. It's, it's a direct, no-nonsense mm-hmm. kind of, you know, don't take the hill. You know, you're going to find this $20 bill. You know, it's just very direct. And long story short, I ended up marrying this guy. Aha. He needed my help. Mm-hmm. And we ended up, I ended up getting married to my first husband, um, separated. And while we were separated, I met this fellow. And we're still married today. Oh, that's so sweet. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so um, what I, I acted on that, you know, that because it was so it was so firm and so direct, mm-hmm. you know, he needs your help. So I, I actually had a friend who lived at the same apartment complex. And I asked her about him and um, I did some following up, but it turned out that I, it wasn't meant to be. It was, the timing was not good. I had to go through other lessons first. Interesting. Melanie, let's talk about some of the things that you offer in not your job, but your your passion here um, oh well sharing because you're up to a lot the first thing is I was on your Facebook page and I was looking at all the spirit drawings and the photographs of people and Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm so proud of you that you use your artwork and you draw people's loved ones I'm not a trained artist like my sister taught me how to draw and but that's my style my style is very naive it's very cartoonish it's very flat but that's not a prerequisite for being a spirit artist what is is surrendering to spirit and letting your hand be guided on the page and i will connect to spirit and let my hand just draw somebody and i'll get information names and places and memories and uh, eventually a message and I will show the drawing to somebody and they'll say, oh, I know exactly who that is and show me a photograph or, or dig up a photograph. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really exciting because it's, it's something I've been doing for years and years and not really knowing what I was doing when I was growing up. But now I realize it's a, it's a way to connect with spirit. It, it seems like you capture the personality of the person. So yeah. there's because looking at the, the photo, true photographs of people, uh, I mean, obviously, you're looking at them, you can see what they look like, but there's always like a personality that you can feel in the photograph and then in your drawing. Just to me, looking at these this evening, it's just like, oh, it's just, oh, you captured you. the personality of that. Oh, thank you. Thanks. That's really sweet. Uh, when I was, um, one of the things I like to do with friends, especially like in middle grade and in mm-hmm. high school, draw people in, in a cartoon caricaturistic kind of way, it's just try to capture their essence. And so hopefully that's something that comes through in, in spirit art as well. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. And what is Colors of Your Question? Colors of Your Question was an experiment that I devised uh, when I was first on this path. I wanted to find a way to have people get interactive with the art and um, test my intuition. Test my intuition. So I would ask them to devise a life question, and nothing that was yes or no. Something um, that definitely had meaning in their lives, 
but not tell me what the question was. So I would never know what the question was. And so I would send them a list of colors. And from that list, they were to give me the first three that they saw. And from those colors, I would intuit the past, the present, and potential future of their life question. And do a reading and draw a clear circle, which is um, what I call an aura graph. An aura graph is kind of, to me, kind of an old fashioned term for a drawing, which is uh, basically psychic art. And I took an aura graph class online, really enjoyed it, thought that was just really perfect. But I wanted it to be a way where the colors that a person chose really reflected them. I don't use textbook definitions of color. I use the co- what the color means to them, for them in their situation, to their life question. And I spell colors the British way with the U because mm-hmm. you are in the colors. Oh, oh I was wondering. <laughs> so yeah, that and that's cool. that's been a, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing that. Um, spiritual assessments, portraits, but I don't do it to make a living. I don't do right. it. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's just something I really love to practice. And so yeah. and you're a being of service. Yeah, exactly. And I'd like to hear too about on SNUI.org. You teach an online development circle and philosophy mm-hmm. class. Can you mm-hmm. talk about yeah. those? Well, it's every Wednesday night, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. No, I'm sorry, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. I do a mediumship development circle. One of my mentors is Margaret Challenger, and she was an uh, Arthur Finley College tutor. She teaches the direct style of mediumship where you go directly, you're guided by spirit directly to your recipient. And it's a very natural style of communication. It's not really focused on lists and lists of evidence. It's more about what does spirit want to say to you? And of course you have to get the ID. And so that was very important, but you know, you want to have a chat and you want to have a, a nice reunion And so I help people learn that style of mediumship. And then the last Wednesday of the month is a philosophy prayer writing class. And we use the seven principles of spiritualism. And uh, every month we'll just focus on one of those principles and write prayer uh, around it. So since I'm a poet, I'm a published poet, um, I, I thought that I had the skills to to talk about this, and I love prayer. I really do. Let's talk more about that because I don't think it's something many of us do until unless we need something. Oh, right. And like, prayer is yeah, prayer is not just you know asking for things. That's what most people think it is. God, I I need a, a million dollars, or don't let the hurricane <laughs> hit my house. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's very egocentric. Right. Um, when you pray for something that is beyond the ego, I believe that is the, where the power of prayer lies. When you, when you pray for the benefit of all, uh, I think truly that is where we see the working of prayer. When you pray for the well-being of someone in the hospital, 
when you pray for the well-being of people being hit by these calamities and mm-hmm. these, these devastating floods all over the world, that's prayer is very powerful. And I think when it when it comes to your own personal egotistical materialistic desires, you know, it doesn't really, I'm going to have a million dollars. Why do you want a million dollars to be happy? Well, you pray to be happy. And that's where you're going to find the results of your prayer. And is the prayer more about the intention behind it as opposed to the words? Because I, as a Catholic girl, memorized all those prayers we had to say in church and I never even remembered what it was I was saying. I mean, I never, <laughs> I never took the words in. No, my because heart. no, because they're not written by people who really care about words. You know, they're written for a more of a political purpose, I believe. And when you create your own prayer, that is coming from your your center. You're coming from your heart. It's coming from the heart of awareness. It's coming from your core being. And it really means something. And we, we talk a bit about that. And we talk about what the principles mean to us. Um, and a little bit about what makes a good prayer. Uh, repetition is something that is very useful in prayer. Um, and poetry and lyrics, you know, if you're going to be writing a song, you know, you're going to have a chorus, you're going to have repetition mm-hmm. and repetition, like a mantra, you know, it's very powerful when you repeat those words. Can anyone who's a member of SNUI go to your Wednesday night thing or oh, do you no, have to be part sure. of it? No, 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 no it's, it's open. It's an open mediumship um, development circle. Oh, I- uh, there, there's a core people, core group of people who typically come every week. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's open to new people. It's open to seasoned people. You know, hopefully you'll you'll learn something uh, a little, maybe a little challenging or something new. We usually have a discussion for the first thirty minutes, and then I cap it at seven minutes for each demonstration, and so everybody will have a chance to to have a link. And I do, I do coaching too. So I'll coach people along the way. Do, do people have to do it or can they just listen? No, no, absolutely okay. not. You don't have to. No, I don't, I never force anybody to do it if they don't want to. But some of the newbies really do need some coaxing. So, and I think people are I know all about that yeah, coaxing because yeah. even yeah. though I've taken a few courses, I still consider myself a, a newbie that needs the... The coat oh, sink. but it's so beautiful when somebody holds you by the hand and, and leads you and, you know, introduces you to spirit because, you know, these are people just like you and me. They're, these are people who are right around you. Spirit is around us right now. And it's just surrendering and it's just letting yourself be open and saying goodbye to your ego. Say goodbye to Sandra or whoever you are and letting that spirit person some come so close and blend so close that you're one. I'll never forget that when I was at the Arthur Finley College, I was in the the newbie group and the woman, the instructor said to this lady, okay, I want you to give Sandra a reading. And the woman was so scared. And she says, no, I'm going to be right here by your side. And so she said, who do you see? And of course the woman thinking she's making up, she says, just say who you see. And she said, and she describes this man. Now, who would this man be to Sandra? She says, I'm looking at him also. It would be her father. And I'm thinking, yes. 
Mm-hmm. And he wore a gold ring on his right hand. And I said, yes. And then she said, um, she pictured him wearing a hat and working in the travel business. And she says, now look harder. I'm looking. Now he's telling you what, what he does for a living. And she says, airline pilot. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. you know. <laughs> and so this woman's thinking she's making it up. Uh-huh. I'm looking at her going, you could not have ever guessed this. There's just, there's no. just no way. And it, it all took the loving coaxing from mm-hmm. the tutor. Mm-hmm. And so talk mm-hmm. about giving that woman and me just the backbone that, you know, oh, what, sure. what, what comes up in our imagination doesn't mean it's our imagination. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you start working, everything is for the recipient. It's true. That's ah, so you know? beautiful. It's not for you. No, ma'am. Well, Melanie, our time is just about up. Is there a question I should have asked you or something you want to share? Or if you want to just tap into your own soul and uh, anything, words of wisdom or prayer or anything that you want to leave us with. And then we'll recap how people can get in touch with you and stuff like that. Well, I think preoccupation with material things, with possessions, with your identity, with uh, thoughts and perceptions. Really just let those things go at least for, you know, doesn't you don't have to like meditate for hours. Just let that all go and know that you are, you are awareness and you have that, within you and that has never left you it will never leave you you are eternal i'm just smiling i've got that kind of buddha smile on my face right now (laughs) and surrender 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 is not a weakness surrender is strength how does meditation, yeah. just before we, we finish, there's, I, I just feel like you need to speak a few minutes about quieting the mind. Could you? What well, do you call it, meditation? It's, or? it's not really about quieting the mind. It's about realizing that what is happening in your body and mind, your body-mind together, is temporary. Hmm. Is, you know, you will have this headache but the headache will go. You will have these thoughts, these recurring thoughts, but they don't last. What you were thinking about two minutes ago is not the same thing you're thinking about now. What you're feeling in your body is going to dissipate and go. It's, it's not real. It's, it's just temporary. It's like watching the clouds floating through the sky. Don't become attached to those because they're going to disappear. Okay. What you really want to pay attention to is that feeling that you are aware. And that same awareness has been with you since you can remember. And it's going to be there when your body is gone. And your thoughts are gone. Your mind is gone. Whoever you are is going to disappear. But the core of your awareness is still going to be with you or is still going to be a part of all that is. And I think that really leads me to a lot of peace 
it leads me to a feeling of, you know, I, I just can't, just can't be happier. I just can't be happier. I'm just so, just so happy. And you don't have to still your mind. You just have to realize that these thoughts come and go and they are not what you are. You have thoughts, but you're not a thought. You have feelings and emotions, but you are not your feelings and emotions. You're so much more than that. That's beautiful. Thank you, Melanie. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, I wanted to ask you about your blog. You say mm-hmm. that your blog for developing mediums, but anybody mm-hmm. can go to your blog and oh, yeah. check out yeah. your words and Melanie. Yeah. Melanie Alberts medium medium dot blogspot.com or simply go beneath this episode and there's a live link or your Facebook yeah. page, facebook.com uh, forward slash Melanie Alberts spirit portraits. Right. And if you go to my blog on the sidebar, there's a little place where you can send me a message. And if you mention that you heard this show, or just want to read about my story, I've got a seven-page PDF that basically sums it all up. <laughs> and I also have it. I, I read read it recently and recorded that on SoundCloud. So if you prefer me reading it, that's that's also available. So yeah, just just as like a little gift to your listeners, I'd be like very gifts. happy. Yeah, I'd be happy to send that. So you go to melaniealbertsmedium.blogspot.com or just beneath this episode and people can just simply email you and they can also email you if they'd like to perhaps inquire about a reading or service with you. Oh, yeah. 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 Through the the blog. Yeah. That'd be the best place to to reach me. Do you do the drawings and things like that? Do you have to be face-to-face with someone or can you talk to somebody? I like using Zoom. You know, there's a, a, a service called Zoom. I don't know Zoom. I like Zoom, the word, yeah. though. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Zoom room. Yeah, it's really good. And, <laughs> what and is it Zoom? Records, uh, it's, it's like Skype, okay. and, you know, and it, it videotapes, it records it, so I can um, record it and, and, you know, do a transcript later and you know i can draw and show the through the video i can show the drawing as it happens oh that's cool that's a, yeah that's really helpful how do people have to mm-hmm. get the zoom though oh Easy i send enough? them a link i send oh them a okay link. so it's nothing yeah. no hard work on no the no, recipients you just, part you have you to just go click to on zoom. it yeah i think you have to like download it but it's very simple okay. it just says you know just click here and then you'll be good to go and you did that whole spiritual assessment and drawing on me without, without anything yeah. from me. No, and it had it nothing to do with you. Right it had to do with our guides. <laughs> your people talking to my people. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, they I, had I, lunch. They did. They had lunch. <laughs> Tell her this. And you did. It was awesome. Well, Melanie, thank you for being our guest today. Oh, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate talking to you about my passions. Fantastic. Yeah, me too. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Did I say love it? (laughs) And also for our listener, thank you for being here. And without a doubt, I know that you may be experiencing a tough time. And just think of that violin string being tuned or the Mm -hmm. pine cone and just know that your life is for a purpose. Um, 
pain can lead us to search for peace and to find God, as Melanie said, just beautiful. And I do invite you to sign up on the website, we don't die radio.com for the Insiders Club. So not only do I have that 19 reasons to believe in the afterlife, but also I've got a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. And also, if you'd like to read a read my book, it's a PDF file there, complimentary for you. And there's a lot of healing stuff in that as well and inspiring, so it's all there. And another great reason to go to Facebook is we now have a group, uh, our group called Face, uh, cancel that, we have a group called We Don't Die Listeners, that's what you type into the search box, and it's a lot of people in there now, but I love it because somebody could be posting um, about having a loss, and there's a 100 people there to support them, you know, and it's over 2,000 people in the group, I know Melanie is now in it, and it's mm-hmm. just a nice place to be to talk about the things that we talk about on the show there are people that are interested in this they might not be in your life that you see face to face on a daily basis and that's okay there are people that care about you that love you that want to keep this conversation going so i invite you to join us there in closing my name is sandra champlain and i've been delighted to be your host on we don't die radio and i do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important so i really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon 